0: Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable high-speed internet. Today, I am delighted to speak with Sherry Baranek, CEO of Clearfield, a provider of optical fiber management and connectivity platforms for ISPs. Sherry returns to the podcast to talk about the impact supply chain issues are having and will continue to have on the overall goal to deploy fiber and close the digital divide, as well as how Clearfield is getting involved in workforce training and more. Sherry, welcome back to the podcast. It's so nice to see you again.
1: Oh, it's wonderful to be back. Thank you very much.
0: So last time we spoke, it was May 2021, a million years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And you said then that you anticipated we'd see a fiber bubble form over the next six months. Um, While it feels like a million years ago, it's really just nearly almost a year out from that prediction. So let's talk a bit about what's happened since then. What's your sense of that bubble today and how is it impacting the fiber and broadband industry?
1: Well, I think I used the the wrong word because bubble implies that there's an environment that is going to burst, and there really this is anything but that. Um, The fiber world has just absolutely been able to respond to a need that uh, the you know the pandemic made it very clear that uh, we need high-speed broadband in order to live, work, and play. And that fiber really was the most cost-effective way by which to make that happen. Uh, so our world right now in regard to the fiber industry is exploding. It's exploding in both organic growth as well as in government supplemented growth. And I think those t- um, the fact that it is organic and user-led and then supplemented with additional funding i think is why this is really a ongoing you know decade long deployment and really a once in a lifetime experience because we're going to you know create a, a communications capability the um, for the country over the course of the next decade
0: i think you make a great point i'm glad you uh popped the bubble metaphor right away at the start of this podcast. Sorry, I hate myself for saying that. Um, but it's something I was thinking about when I was preparing for this interview, because I thought about, you know, well, tech bubbles uh, was a lot of investment in a lot of hot air, for example. So mm-hmm. um, whereas the investment in broadband is a real thing. But if there is any bubble like factor here, it's it's probably around the supply chain and whether there's enough supply uh, for all of this investment. So how are you guys looking at that? How are you, How are you looking at the next uh, year plus of all, all this money that's coming in and all this fiber that's going to be built and how to manage it with the supply levels the way they are right now.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we, if there is a any level of bubble that we can use, it's really a standpoint that our world as a part of coming out of the pandemic, the uh, is a world in which there have been puts and starts and challenges um, and because of the fact that we don't we live and work in a global economy and that global economy is not yet functioning. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have a means by which to have I mean, you know, t- twenty years ago, you know, we taught we we learned about how the world is flat and how you know, the earth being flat meant that we all needed to work in a global world. We had to be able to have a supply chain that worked globally. And we're not there yet. I mean it absolutely is what's resulting today in supply challenges, not only about fiber, but really, if we look at it, it's about transportation, and and the transportation challenges of getting product where people need it when they need it. You know, and the work it's going to take us probably another year for that to be able to work through. Hmm. But this isn't about you know a one year build, and and I think what I learned last year through this process. Was that there was this immediate, you know, challenge coming from you know existing customers who were recognizing how important it was and how quickly they were gonna be able to, how quickly they wanted to be able to respond. And now I think we're identifying that we've got to work through how do we do this systematically and really look at it as not I want my fiber and I want it now, but Mm -hmm. how do we deal over the next decade about getting individuals who don't have any level of connectivity to better service what they're doing and then that those who have some level of, of, of connectivity improve upon it. Yeah. And I think fiber plays an important role in both both aspects of that.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, a longer term uh, problem and, and solution here with regard to how we manage supply. Um, But with regard to the federal funding, we're talking about, you know, government spending that comes with stipulations and timelines and stuff. Um, So from what you're seeing from those grants and what you know about them, are you worried that that federal funding could end up being spent on inferior network technology because of how long it's going to take to deploy some of this fiber?
1: No, I think we're really about a heterogeneous network and that we're gonna use the right technology in the right place. In some environments we're gonna have um, fixed wireless and other environments we're gonna have fiber directly to the home and business. And both of those are good solutions and it really is dependent upon the situation. And we're supporting both of those environments. Um, you no, know, this week is uh, the, the wallet, Wispapalooza, I believe, is how yeah. they pr- they pronounce it. Um, you know, it's yes. the wireless show about the fixed wireless connectivity, and we have been supporting fixed wireless service providers, uh, really for the last several years, because every element of that is about getting fiber closer to consumers. And so in a fixed wireless world, we get fiber as close as we can. And then we're you know being able to use technology by which to improve a situation in which some people typically have no internet connectivity or what connectivity they have is very limited. And as a result, fixed wireless is an improvement and it's an improvement that can happen quickly. And I'm completely in support of that. But I also know that, you know, they're just like, you know, Verizon and AT&T have talked about being able to do fixed wireless in some parts of their network. They also know that there's other 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 elements of their network, that fiber to the home is absolutely going to be the only means to get the full level of connectivity that everybody's going to want. And so I think we should support both. But we also know, and I think this is led through the Biden administration right now, that mm-hmm fiber fed broadband is the most economic environment long-term. So, you know, if you are currently getting, um, I, I mean, it's is, it is so bizarre on the kinds of environments that we're seeing. I mean, my brother and sister-in-law live just outside of the Indianapolis um, uh, city limits. They can't even get three meg. You know, service connectivity and they live in a metropolitan environment you know and our you know one's a doctor and the other one uh, you know has a PhD in you know in, in chemistry working for Eli Lilly and they can't work from home decently um, and that's a metropolitan marketplace so uh, there's a lot for us to do and I'm so excited about w- what we're doing to help that happen quickly um, in a in a clearfield world you know what we're seeing is you know we're able to provide equipment that reduces the amount of labor that is necessary to deploy these solutions, both in the amount of labor as well as in the uh, skill level of the labor that is required. And it gives an opportunity for our service provider customers to get that product out there more quickly. In fact, we had an opportunity for one of our uh, tier two customers that is now a customer, but you know wasn't previously because they just couldn't get their fiber out fast enough. And uh, there were supplies issues. They had an incumbent supplier that wasn't able to provide product. And so as a result, we had an opportunity for a field trial. In that field trial, we were able to demonstrate with their own engineers using our equipment that they could deploy twice as many cabinets per week as they could previously with the same people that they had on staff with just really a morning's worth of training. Wow. That kind of technology is what is going to make this happen more quickly, and that's what we really need to focus on.
0: So, is that a part of your business that you guys are, you know, looking at and, and, and potentially ramping up as you look to the future? Is is that going to be a, a key to how uh, a lot of this fiber gets deployed? Is t- teaching people how to? The, um, we Bring are fully,
1: we are absolutely committed to training, and uh, and uh, we don't view it as a revenue source. We view it as our service pro- is our one of our value propositions, in that you know customer service providers, you know. Our, our need. You know, we're in a world in which labor is scarce um, and trained labor is even more scarce. And so let's change that by looking at the fact that we're going to deploy fiber over the next decade. This is an amazing career opportunity for just a wide, broad slice of people. And let's commit to training both internal employees of our service provider customers, as well as external contractors who have an opportunity you know, to build out this product portfolio. I think people, service providers who are committed to not looking at just upfront capex, but who are looking at truly a total cost of deployment, are going to recognize that focusing on labor and being able to have uh, reduce the amount of labor in a build is what is going to be crucial to getting high-speed connectivity out to their customer base, you know, more rapidly. And by getting that fiber out to their customer base more rapidly. They're going to incre- increase their, their revenue per subscriber. They're going to reduce the churn rate of the subscribers that they currently have. And they're going to increase the value of the network that they're building. Um, it really is a win-win-win proposition and should be a perfect storm for this marketplace.
0: So just to go back to the supply issues for a moment, um, some companies and trade groups in their comments to the NTIA um, urged the agency to basically abandon the Buy American provision for the broadband builds uh, for the bead uh, grant program mm-hmm. and and the other ones um given the supply issues uh right. not for any anti-american reasons um i'm just curious given your uh very uh clear-eyed view of the supply problem where do you fall down on on that yeah, i mean we First quarter,
1: we grew almost ninety percent over last year, and and the previous year we had grown fifty percent over the year before. So supply chain management is crucial to any customer being, any vendor being able to provide product. The um, I think the word you know when you um, the things that we're seeing right now when we use the word abandon the provision, I think abandon is absolutely the wrong word. Uh, we have to look at this from a business standpoint and say remember, we are a global economy and that uh, Clearfield and other vendors like us really are sourcing from, you know, every different area of the world. Um, some of our products are absolutely built here internally, you know, within the, the uh, under NAFTA programs, both within the U.S., Mexico and Canada, you know, and other parts of our product portfolio are exclusively provided um, from Asian sources. So I think abandoned is the wrong word. I think it's more so a standpoint that says these provisions were enacted in a, in a relatively rapid fashion, you know, looking at it from a standpoint of how do we um, get this through quickly so that it could be put together from a provision um, and could be in that money could get out into the market. Uh, I would suggest that rather than abandon, we look at it and say, how do we, um, help our vendors help our themselves. And so um, if we, if we can use uh, adjustments, can we, can we provide step, um, recommendations on where, when, what are products that are sole sourced and, and what are solutions that are best identified um, in other parts of the world? Let me give you an example. When, mm-hmm. when we started, you know, a decade ago, we started Clearfield as a very small company. Yeah, and we were a startup the, um, within the first, um, we had, you know, combined a couple of different companies. And in that first combined year, you know, we were under $20 million in revenue and we were entirely, you know, American-based in everything that we did. The, um, and, you know, and we employ, uh, employed about 100 people. You know today we employ you know more than five hundred people throughout the u s and Mexico, um, but we don't source everything from American markets. you know we source on a global standpoint and are now approaching two hundred million dollars in revenue. That type of global appro- approach to component level products really is what we should be focusing on in regard to the bead deployment. And I also think that bead deployment should focus on where we can really make a difference. And that's in not manufactured products, but in the labor to deliver these solutions. We currently don't have enough labor force to to deploy regardless of the supply chain. And the opportunity to have a trained individual with a decade-long opportunity, because 80% of the cost of deployment of fiber is labor. And so if we can focus on getting product into the market, regardless of where it's manufactured, the and have those individuals actively working in the labor force, we will have created the goal of the, of the Buy American Act, really, is to be able to create jobs. And the biggest amount of jobs we can create is the labor force
0: to deploy. Very good point. Um, you said it better than uh, any of the comments that I read in the... <laughs> <laughs> to the NTIA so
1: but uh know, I'm thrilled with you know what's happening with you know under the the bead program that is going through the states you know it's going to take a little bit longer to go through the states because there's more more voices to be heard but it's also going to be deployed be deployed in the right places. And so um, supply chain issues right now for this build season, you know, they're going to be there, but it's not what's going to prevent long-term deployment, right? Right. Long-term issues right now under BEAT are we need to be able to find the right place to build not the right product necessarily in those markets. And yeah. Clearfield is thrilled to support that because we've built you know, a sales force and a product portfolio that has been regionally based, community broadband led, and those community broadband networks, those people are going to know where the underserved markets are best utilized. So let's, let's, let's spend less time on supply chain issues in the build season for 22 and more about finding the right neighborhoods to get that money.
0: So, look, you took me right there. You went local. So to end on a positive note, I would love for you to tell me about a community or a partnership where Clearfield's partnership products um, have made a difference in bringing broadband access to people.
1: Well, we had a really fun project. I mean, we've, we've had thousands of of of, of thousands is probably the wrong word, thousands of neighborhoods, hundreds of networks um, that we've been able to work with over the course of the next last year. Um, But one that I am uh, probably most proud of, you know, is the Fair Play Camp School, which is um, a a, a boys school in Westminster, South Carolina. Uh, This is a, a a group that are, is a 500-acre property in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And this is a residential group home providing outdoor therapy to boys, you know, 8 to 17 who are experiencing some emotional and behavioral challenges. The, um, but the issue there is that this was a, a, a remote wilderness environment, and they just didn't have the connectivity necessary in order to be able to really you know, continue to communicate to, you know, to their homes. They weren't able to, you know, I mean, they couldn't even take... You know admissions tests into colleges and the like because there wasn't enough connectivity there to actually be able to log in. You know they couldn't provide you know care for you know these kids um, because it was remote and they didn't have a means by which to provide tele you know telehealth um, programs. And so we were part of a program to bring fiber throughout you know this 500 acre community into the residential homes uh, that the uh, the kids and their uh, live in uh, uh, advisors, you know, we're um, we're living in it and be part of their world. And today, you know, because of that fiber network, you know, they can communicate from to their homes. They can have a telehealth program. They can be part of a global opportunity to uh, be educated have uh, both admissions tests as well as uh, college. Um, courses, you know, at the site, it's just, you know, I can't even articulate it very well because it's so exciting to see the opportunity that these young men now have because of Fiber.
0: You articulated it perfectly. That was exactly the kind of story I was hoping for. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for giving me your time again today. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Well, I just,
1: um, I'm so excited about Fiber and where it's going and the decade in front of us Uh, and so excited about how Clearfield can help. Thanks for letting me know, share my story.
0: Thank you again, Sherry, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landreau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.